SAFM Sports Wrap. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap on a Friday evening and what an incredible day of cricket it was today. Protest captain A.B. de Villiers scored the second fastest World Cup century en route to the fastest 150 in one day international cricket ever and that guided South Africa to 257 run win over the West Indies in Sydney earlier today. We'll have a full wrap and a Q&A with Natalie Germanis later in the show. Besides the loss, there was more bad news for the Windies. Batsman Darren Bravo was today ruled out of the rest of the World Cup after he failed to recover from a hamstring injury that he sustained in their win over Pakistan last weekend. In the Sunfoil Series, three matches taking place around the country this weekend. The Knights up against the Dolphins at Kingsmead and the Knights uh, in a bit of trouble here. The Dolphins declaring on 455 for the loss of five at Stumps. The Knights were 72 for the loss of three. The other match, the Cape Cobras uh, are in control there. They were dismissed for 308 in their first innings. They then went on to bowl uh, the Titans out for 175 in reply in their second innings. The Cobras 112 for three. They they lead by 245 runs with seven wickets remaining in two days to play. And then the Lions looking pretty good against the Warriors. They dismissed the Warriors earlier for 287. And at Stumps on day two, they were 250 for the loss of one. They still trail by 37 runs, but they have nine wickets in hand. Another full weekend of Absa Premiership to look forward to tonight. All gets underway at 8 p.m. this evening. Ajax Cape Town up against Chipper United. And Ernst Wittendorp who's yet to pick up uh, a win since he started at the Chili Boys. Uh, following Roger Sikikane's sacking last month, believes the team are moving in the right direction. They still have a lot to work on, though. The two sides played to a one-all draw at the Nelson Mandela Bay Stadium earlier in the season. And Middendorp knows there's a lot at stake for both teams tonight. I think it's, uh, it's a situation where um, both teams, uh, we have 20. Uh, Ajax have 24 points. Both teams uh, in the middle of the park in the moment. Both teams know that there is a way forward to bring yourself in a better position. And both teams know, are aware about, that there is a possibility uh, you fall into a basement. Tomorrow, Amatak's host Black Aces, Polokwane City, travel to the Orlando Stadium to take on Pirates, while Maritzburg United clash with Free State Stars. On Sunday, Bloom Celtic welcome Platinum Stars and Amazulu are away to Supersport United. Two CAF Champions League matches tomorrow as well. Kaiser Chiefs take on Township Rollers in Botswana and Mamelodi Sundowns are at home to St. Michael United. In uh, rugby news, uh, the Highlanders open week three of the 2015 Super Rugby season with a 2013 win over the Reds at the Forsyth Bar Stadium. Their countrymen, New Zealand, their conference leaders, uh, Hurricanes, picked up a 35-11 win over the Force at the NIB Stadium. We'll chat to Craig Ray later in the show and just take a look at all the rugby in our, uh, that's uh, coming up this weekend. We'll also take a look at the Joburg Open with Michael Flissmus. Uh, Vali Kutsia leads at the halfway point. He has a one-stroke lead shot of 65 today and heads into the weekend on 12 under par. And finally, in cycling news, the Astana team of Tour de France champion Vincenzo Nibali it, uh, appears set to lose its license to compete this year at the request of the UCI. The World Cycling's governing body announced today that an audit by Institute of Sports Sciences at the University of Lausanne into Astana's management of anti-doping measures found a big difference between the team's practices and the structures it committed to in order to combat doping. The UCI said there was a compelling ground, uh, a compelling case rather, to refer the matter to the licensing commission and uh, request the Kazakhstan government based uh, back to Astana be stripped of its license. So not good news for Team Astana. Coming up next here on SAFM Sports Wrap, we'll touch base with Natalie Germanis and analyse uh, the Proteus victory this morning. SAFM Sports Wrap.
You tune into SAFM Sports Wrap. In the end, it turned into a very convincing victory for the Proteas this morning. Uh, and A.B. de Villiers, just what an incredible performance from the captain. Uh, from the bowling perspective as well, a great performance from Imran Tahir. But Natalie Jamanis joins us now. Natalie, uh, not only was it a great win for the Proteas, but I think the manner in which they won today really set out their stall and, and people sitting up and, and taking notice. Yeah, the intensity from the South Africans today was so different to what we saw against India and even against Zimbabwe as well. There were some good individual performances against Zimbabwe, but the intensity today was so much better, and it's what you'd expect from this one-day side. One or two issues that they still want to iron out, but you can expect that from a side who's just struggling with a few injuries, which could have made a difference to the balance of the side. There's one or two players that they'd love to see get in form, like the likes of Quinton de Kock. But it's good to see Fastukasi getting some runs. Hashimamla looking like he's sort of getting back to the form we know from him. Riley Rousseau was absolutely fantastic. Um, in the field, they were generally very good, much better than against India. One or two drop chances or missed chances. But in general, the, the bowling was very good. And South Africa will be very pleased with their effort at the SDG. Natalie, looking at uh, the start of it, obviously South Africa winning the toss, choosing to bat. Uh, we, we've o- over the last uh, sort of while we've looked good batting first and, and setting totals. We've we've battled to to chase totals down. Do you think this could have been an opportunity to to swing things around a little bit, particularly with someone like Chris Gale in that West Indian side that we could have possibly sent them in and, and try to back ourselves to to chase the total? Or do you think it was the right decision? Obviously, it was the right decision. We won it, but do you think it could have been a, an opportunity to experiment a bit today? No, you never experiment against a side like the West Indies because you could find your real egg on your face because it was a pitch to bat first, definitely. It was a good toss to win and bat first. It wasn't an easy pitch, especially going in. Once you're in, yes, you can get settled, but it was a very, very good toss to win, put the runs on the board, and then put the other team under a lot of pressure, and they did that very well. South Africa definitely need to work on their chasing. It is a major problem. Out of the last 18 ODIs, they've lost 13 uh, when they have been chasing, so it is an issue they need to work on, but you never experiment against a side like the West Indies and take that much of a risk. It would have been probably what it could have been a fatal risk in the end because if South Africa lost today, they would have had two losses out of three. And then, of course, you get the, the, the issue with the net run rates as well and could possibly end up fourth in the group instead of possibly ending up first or second. So, no, I think that would have been way too much of a risk. Let's talk about the selections today. You, you mentioned the injury concerns. Vernon Philander not playing today. JP Dumini also not playing. Uh, the replacements, uh, Riley Rousseau in, also Fahan Behadin. Uh, they, they looked right today, I think. I mean, Riley Rousseau did fantastically well uh, as far as uh, Behadin with the bat. He didn't get too much time out there, but he looked okay in, in, uh, for, for that short little innings that he did put together. Uh, he did what he needed to do. He learned his lessons from a couple of other innings that he's had. Um, uh, recently against the West Indies, he had opportunity at the back end of the innings to do something. But he, he came in late and wasn't giving the strike to the set batsman, and that was David Miller in Port Elizabeth. And he wasted deliveries. This time around, he gave the strike to A.B. de Villiers, and that's what he needed to do. Riley Rousseau, for me today, was quite brilliant. He so often is vulnerable at the beginning of his innings, but he came out... The situation was quite well set up for him, even though South Africa lost the wickets of Amla and Dupasi quite quickly. But he came out to play his natural game, and he was attacking all the way through. And to finish with a strike rate of 156 after an 18 and a half century is actually really, really good. And it took all the pressure off A.B. de Villiers and allowed A.B. de Villiers just to play his normal game. And some of the shots that Riley Rousseau played today was 
absolutely wonderful to watch. And he's definitely sent out a message to the rest of the order. Yeah, that's quite interesting. And, and that was a point I wanted to raise. That, that I mean, in that, that partnership between uh, Rousseau and, and de Villiers, uh, Rousseau was the dominant batsman there. And, and only towards the end did AB really start accelerating. And, and I did get the feeling that it took a lot of pressure off AB. It allowed him to sort of find his feet. And he didn't feel like he had to go from the start. And that platform, I mean, let's talk about AB. He's an absolute freak. I mean, how do you bowl to someone like that? Well, you certainly hope that you get him really, really early because if he gets going, it's so difficult to get him out, especially over the last few months. His first 50 came with 30 deliveries, and then he ended up making 162 of 66. That is absolutely incredible acceleration. As it was, his first 50 was quick. But the rest of it was just absolutely incredible to watch. And the way he was able to accelerate was just quite something special. Didn't take a lot of risks. He manufactures shots that you would never normally see. And he gets them almost from nowhere. And uh, it's just something that's so special about him is that he's able to assess the field and manipulate it exactly how he wants. He's able to find the gaps that most batsmen wouldn't find, no matter what happens with the ball. He is just absolutely incredible. And you run out of superlatives for somebody like A.B. de Villiers. And the way he keeps so calm in these situations is also something special to witness. But uh, Riley Rousseau was, uh, certainly gave him a lot of support, the support that A.B. de Villiers needed. His own half century only came off 31 balls as well. And he was quite superb to watch Riley Rousseau today. And he made quite a big difference to the South African order. It was also well set up by Hashim Amlan to see because it wasn't easy batting in the beginning but they put on good partnerships and it certainly made a difference for South Africa. Yeah, I mean, that batting performance definitely sent it up. But on, on the bowling front, uh, Imran Tahir, once again, uh, doing it with a ball, he's, he's turning out to be a, a really good strike bowler. Yeah, he's been absolutely brilliant since he made his debut in one-day internationals in the 2011 World Cup, where he had a very, very good World Cup. In one-day format, he does not struggle. He's got a good economy rate and an amazing average of around 22. And today, he picked up his first fifer. It almost feels like it should have come already because you would expect somebody who bowls that well and takes that many wickets and has such a good average, you would expect him to have, to have taken a fifer already. But today, he picked up his first fifer of the ODI career. He's an attacking bowler. He's hard to get away. And to go at around four and over on that sort of wicket is it's just absolutely brilliant. And he is a major weapon in the South African bowling lineup. Uh, another new face uh, that, that played today was Kyle Abbott, uh, and he picked up a couple of sticks as well and, and looked pretty good. It's, uh, it's good to see that, I don't want to call them fringe players, but guys who, who wouldn't be shoe-ins for, for the starting eleven are, are putting their hand up and, and, and putting pressure on the guys who are shoe-ins. Yeah, it's good to see Kyle Abbott also recover from the pacing that he took against the West Indies in the T20s here in South Africa. At the Wonders, his four overs went for 68 runs in that record chase that the West Indies made, the second, the second T20 to actually win the series. He's come back from that. He took a lot of criticism, of course, for that. Going four overs for 68 is just unreal. But he came back today, bowled eight overs, two for 37, and he got the big wickets, of course, of Chris Gale, uh, which was just a massive wicket for South Africa, and then got Marlon Samuels just after that. And those were the two informed batsmen in terms of looking at the last game that they played. So a really good scout for Abbott, and he bowled very well. Let's touch briefly on, on tomorrow's game. It's in the other pool, but uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. The two co-hosts coming up against each other. That should be a fantastic game of cricket, Natalie. 
Yeah, and I actually love the banter that's been going up uh, leading up to this game and how it's been set up with, the, with regards to some comments in the media. Even Sir Richard Hadley is getting in on the act saying things like that the new ball pairing that New Zealand have is the best they've ever had in ODIs. And if Sir Richard Hadley is saying that, obviously it's an amazing compliment and he's probably not far off, but it is also just to get a little bit of a needle in there against the Australians. The Australians have come out and said, well, let's see Brendan McCullum do what he did against England against obviously against their own attack, a much quicker attack. And, you know, you, you hear these types of things, it just sets up the game brilliantly, and it's going to be amazing to see these two hosts, who so far have been in very good form. New Zealand have been absolutely incredible in the World Cup so far. Australia would have been disappointed to miss out in their second game, that it was rained out, but they have certainly shown some good promise. And it'll be interesting to see Michael Clark back in the fold. Yeah, I can't wait for that one. Let's hope it lives up to expectations. Uh, I guess that's probably going to be the one to decide who ends top of that pool. So it uh, should be an interesting game of cricket. Natalie Jemanis, thank you very much for that. We look forward to chatting again soon. Thanks very much, Brett. Dear sir or madam, if you're test driving a sedan that is not the Honda Ballard, ask the salesman these four questions. One, the Ballard has been famous for reliability in South Africa for more than 30 years. What's this car's heritage? Two, Honda's been rated best car brand three times. How about yours? Three. This car's a bit cheaper than a Honda Ballard, but it has fewer features. How much more for the features standard in the Ballard? Four. Are you serious? Finally, ask yourself, why am I not standing in a Honda dealership considering a Honda Ballard from just 184,900 Rand? Discovering what so many already have. Honda, the power of dreams. The exciting Absa Premiership continues with a bang this weekend. On Sunday at Free State Stadium, Bloemfontein Celtic squares off against Dikwena, that's Platinum Stars. Then Matatanta Super Sport United keeps the ball rolling with Amazulu at Lucas Muribe Stadium. Both these games kick off at half past three. Tickets available from 40 Rand. The Absa Premiership, proudly brought to you by the Premier Soccer League. SAFM brings you live, interactive, topical news from current affairs, global warming debates, women's issues, to interviews with top literary connoisseurs. To join our conversations, visit our website on safm.co.za. Follow us on Twitter at SAFM Radio or simply like our Facebook page, SAFM Radio. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. SAFM Sports Wrap. This is South Africa's news and information leader, and it's time now to head to the Royal Johannesburg and Kensington, where round two of the Joburg Open has concluded today. Michael Flissmas joining us. Michael, welcome back onto the show. Uh, a name that I haven't heard too much atop the leaderboards leading heading into the weekend. Vali Kutsia, tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, Vali from Zanin uh, originally, and uh, has done pretty well on the stay-at-home sort of circuit. And, uh, he's, he's, but he's never really broken through in a very big way. So this is a, a massive opportunity for him going into the weekend. But yeah, it's been about 23 seasons grinding it out um, locally and making a decent living for himself. He's uh, only recently moved his family to Jeffrey's Bay and, uh, and is loving it. The family's happy. He says he's in a good mental space. And I think that's what we're seeing at the moment. So clear at the top of the leaderboard, but uh, if my memory serves me correct, his father was a tomato farmer and uh, a pretty decent golfer. I think uh, I remember him winning a tournament back when on the winter tour, and he said his father gave him a putting tip, and it, and it kind of became, you know, tomato farmer, you know, putting guru 
the help son to, to victory kind of thing. So <laughs> he's got an interesting story. And, and the way he's leading the tournament is also interesting because he had a bri recently, he said, with a, a good friend of his. Loves his bride, Valley Kutsia. And, uh, and, and, and this, this friend of his unlocked something in his brain about, about swing and everything. And he says that's really made all the difference for him. Wow. Well, he's, he's uh, put together two solid rounds of golf, 66-65. He's only got a one-stroke advantage heading into the weekend. And there's a, a, a very good chasing pack. Some big names in there. Tell us about that. Absolutely. He's one-stroke here of England, Simon Dyson. Massively experienced is Simon. A 67 for him today. Garth Mulroy. He's uh, finished runner-up in this event a couple of times. He's desperate to win it. He's looking lean and really trim and fit. Um, so he's quite focused. He's coming off uh, a lengthy break of about uh, six months when he, he was out injured, but did some really hard work uh, physically and on his game. He's sort of 68 today. Charles on the vault, 69 today. He's just hanging around there and feeling very comfortable as well. So uh, he's a big winner on the tour. Um, so yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of experience behind. Uh, or shall we say, a lot of uh, a lot of good chasers because Valley's got all the experience in the world as well. But at uh, ten under as well, Nicholas Faf, Anthony Wall. Anthony Wall's won in South Africa way back when he won the uh, South African PGA Championship at Houghton. Son of a, a taxi driver, London taxi driver. So uh, so there's, there's a good pack behind him. And then at nine under, still n- by no means out of it. Thomas Aiken, Richard Sterney at six under, George Kutsia at eight under. So uh, it's going to be a very interesting Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, you mentioned George Kutsia, defending champion. He's only four off. Uh, still two rounds of golf to come. Uh, he's definitely still in with a shot, and he knows what it takes to win this tournament. Oh, he certainly does. And, uh, you know, he, he wants to kick on. He, uh, you know, it was his maiden European Tour title um, last year, and uh, there was a kind of a sense that the floodgates might just open for him as they did for a Brandon Grace. That didn't really happen. But Kutsi uh, is a patient man, and, uh, and but, but he, he's going to want to stamp his authority tomorrow, certainly. And and uh, as you say, knows exactly what he needs to do on the East Course, knows its pitfalls, and uh, knows where he can take his his, uh, his chances. But Aiken certainly as well, you know, um, by no means uh, to be underestimated. He let it slip in the final round last year, sort of 74, and Kutsia came past him. So he feels he's going to have to, he's got something to prove. Michael, the first uh, few tournaments of 2015 on the European Tour have seen some spectacular meltdowns uh, on the weekend, particularly the final round. I think of a guy uh, like Vali Kutsia, who probably hasn't been in this position in in a big tournament like this uh, in his career. Has has he got what it takes and and the the nerves of steel? There's going to be lots of TV cameras around him. uh, The galleries are going to be a lot bigger tomorrow and Sunday. Uh, Has he got what it takes to handle the pressure? It's, it's going to be it's going to be a different world for him. Um, uh, he's 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 been out on tour long enough, but as you say, yes, it, it is a bit of a different uh, experience for him now. Um, it, I think you know the, the mistake he's, he he will make is uh, is to is to obviously let that get to him and to change anything he's been doing for the past two days. I think uh, you know you just want to consolidate. Tomorrow, um, yes, there could be somebody that comes out and uh, and shoots past you, but it is the East Course we're talking about. It's not it's not a walkover. So uh, I think he's uh, if he's if he's going to um, try and handle that pressure, and as you say, TV cameras a lot of attention on him being in the lead group. Um, he's going to want to say that it's uh, kind of like when you miss a bad shot, miss it on the right side and limit the damage. But uh, but so far he's doing everything correctly, and he just needs to stick to that. 
Michael, I'm also just uh, having a look. I know play wasn't interrupted uh, with a thunderstorm that's uh, taken place in Johannesburg late this afternoon. What's the weather forecast looking like for tomorrow? I mean, this time of the year, there's lots of these late afternoon storms. Uh, do we think we're going to get uh, all the golf in, in in time? We hope so. You know, the cut's been made, so uh, we don't have 210 professionals to get through, which has been the case for the last two days. Um, so it's, uh, it's 65 and times that go through to the weekend. I'm not sure exactly how many um, have gone through. There were still a few out there. But um, it's, uh, it's definitely going to be a lot more manageable. But, yeah, as you say, we've, uh, we've had enough weather delays at the Joburg Open in the past. The weather's been pretty well behaved so far. And, uh, and usually the one benefit of uh, the Joburg thunderstorms is that uh, they come and go uh, as quickly as uh, form sometimes, I suppose, as well. <laughs> yeah, and as Murphy has it, if you uh, have an area that hasn't had much rain, organise a cricket match or a, a golf tournament and, and you're bound to get some. So uh, <laughs> we look forward to the weekend at the Joburg Open. Michael Flismas, thank you very much for that update and we'll chat throughout the weekend on SAFM Sports Special. I look forward to it. Thank you, Brad. SAFM Sports Wrap. Week three of Super Rugby is underway and uh, two games earlier on this morning. Craig Ray joining us now. Craig, uh, two, two games this morning. The Hurricanes winning their third in a row. That's uh, pretty good. They, they've got off to a great start this season. Well, they have when you consider that the games have all been away from home as well. So they really are set up nicely for the rest of the competition. And yeah, they look good. They look very good when they beat the Lions. They look good in beating the Bulls. And, you know, they come off with a massive victory against the Force. So, they're going to be uh, one of the pace hitters. The thing with the Hurricanes is they always seem to start the season pretty well and then it falls flat towards the end. So it'll be interesting if they have the depth and the stamina to take it through the remainder of the season. Yeah, the other game this morning uh, saw the Highlanders beat uh, the Reds. But tonight, the Cheetahs, the first South African sides of the weekend in action. Uh, they're at home against Blues. Should be a pretty good game this evening. Yeah, well, I mean, the Cheetahs, unfortunately, though, they started the season well with that 35-29 victory over the Sharks in Durban and then had a bye in week two, which is obviously not when you want to have a bye, especially when you're coming off a great victory like that. So for the Cheetahs, it's uh, probably a little bit of uh, a stop-start for them. The Blues have never lost three games in a row to start the competition in the history of their franchise. So this is a big moment for the Blues. They're two down after two games. And, you know, the Cheetahs are an interesting side because they like to keep it a bit loose and, and wild at times especially at home and that will probably play into the Blues hands if it gets into broken play the likes of Piotr and uh, you know those kind of runners that those all black runners that they have in their side could really cause havoc so I hope the Cheetahs play a tactically astute game like they did against the Sharks with Joe Peterson at fly off they have a guy there that can certainly you know control the game tactically and uh, I hope that they, they just sort of settle down play yeah, fairly basic rugby to start with. Don't get too wild and woolly in the wrong areas of the field against the side like the Blues, because that's what the Blues want. They want to suck you into a game that's, uh, you know, loose. And we saw last week the Stormers frustrated the Blues in the first half, and the Blues were very ill-disciplined. They gave away 17 penalties in the game. They had the red card uh, for Hayden Trigg to lock forward, and he's out for this game because of that red card. He's suspended, and their, their discipline was appalling. And, and what they tried to do, though, was rough the Stormers up physically, and they might come with similar tactics tonight. And the Cheetahs just got to maintain their discipline in Joe Peterson. They've got a dead-eyed deck goal kicker. So I think they've just got to play the percentages early on. And, you know, don't try and get Billy LaRue into the game every opportunity that presents itself from 80 metres out because that could be suicidal against the Blues. Yeah, I love watching the Cheetahs play. Looking forward to that game tonight. Ten past seven is kickoff. But then tomorrow, Craig, four matches, four derbies, and all four of them are going to be absolute crackers. The first, uh, first up, the Chiefs up against the Crusaders. Sunny Bull back. It's going to be a great game, that. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, the Chiefs have been in good form this season. And Sonny Bull missed week two, but in week one, how brilliant was he in that opening game? I mean, you know, the guy looked like he'd never been away from rugby when he spent the last two seasons playing league and boxing. You know, he comes back to Union and he's amazing. I mean, uh, yeah, Sonny Bull is arguably the the greatest rugby player you've ever seen in in the sense that, you know, when you're 106 kilograms and six foot three tall, and you have his skills and speed and you know guile and everything else that goes with it, it's you know it's phenomenal. But the Crusaders often been shocked in round one. Um, you know they found it back to winning ways last week, and yeah, you just got the feeling the Crusaders got the cobwebs out and they were starting to hit form. So that'll always be a cracking game. Those big New Zealand derbies tend to deliver some great rugby as well. I don't know what the weather conditions will be like tomorrow, but let's hope they're good because that will make it a fascinating game. Yeah, there's an Aussie derby too, and uh, I'm just going to sort of brush over, but it's going to be a great game. The Rebels, who've got off to a fantastic start this season, they're up against the Brumbies, but then two big South African derbies, both north-south, the Bulls and Sharks, and then the Stormers-Lions. It doesn't get much bigger than that. Yeah, I mean, the Bulls and the Sharks, big game for the Bulls. They've lost two home games already this season, and they're at home again, and they've got to win that one. I mean, there's just no way back into this competition if they lose three home games in a row, because then it's... It's uphill. You know, you, you forget that the Bulls only won eight games last season and all of them were at home. And this season they've already lost two. So they haven't won an away game since 2013 in this competition. So it just shows you what a crisis it is if they lose another home game. For the Sharks, you know, they had that shock defeat to the Cheetahs in round one and then bounced back in very difficult conditions against the Lions last week with a 29-12 victory and also, you know, scoring four tries in the process. So they'll be pretty happy and Ryan Kankowski comes straight back in after his Japanese uh, excursion, and that'll be interesting to see how he goes on the half health as well. So, you know, some fascinating subplot. Kankowski back, Pierce trying to find his way back into form. So there's a lot of, um, you know, personal battles uh, on the go there as well. The Stormers uh, got, got uh, their season off pretty well. The Lions uh, sort of promised much and, and haven't really delivered so far this season. I see Johan Ackermann, I think, has made eight changes. Elton Yankees in it uh, at, at fly-off. Martins Bosov not even in, in the match day squad. He's, he's dropped out completely. Yeah, that's a big statement by the coach, isn't it? Just dropped the Springbok fly-off because he wasn't performing. And that's, in a way, good coaching. You know, players aren't being picked on reputation. And Elton Janchis, he has a lot to prove. Remember, he had the two thirds 2013 he was at the Stormers for a season and uh, he played 13 games and scored all of 11 points which was a disappointing season for him and uh, you know he's got a hell of a lot to prove and it's against the team that he spent some time at didn't have a happy time in Cape Town I think he's going to be key to the game if the forwards uh, of the Lions can get a little bit of parity or if they you know, slightly get the edge there and they've reintroduced the whole sort of front row that dominated last year Skolk van der Robbie Couture and uh, Julian Redlinghaste if those three can really get them on the front foot. You know, John Chiefs is a great front foot player. What he isn't is a great back foot player. And um, that's where the Stormers will be hoping to put a bit of pressure on. If the Stormers set piece can hold its own, they can get their kicking game going, they can maybe dominate from line-up, they can cause some problems. So it's going to be a fascinating tactical matchup, that one. Well, I'm sure uh, after the World Cup, the Cricket World Cup's done, uh, maybe one of the franchises will pick A.B. de Villiers. He can't do anything wrong at the moment. I think he'd make a pretty good fly-off. What do you think, Greg, Gray? Right? <laughs> oh, I reckon you can play him at lock. <laughs> Fantastic. Craig, thank you so much for that. We'll chat tomorrow afternoon here on SAFM Sports Special. Uh, live Super Rugby action for you on South Africa's news and information leader. Until then, cheers. Ciao, bro. Thanks. SAFM Sports Wrap. Yep, uh, it's interesting. Weekend of rugby coming up. And uh, talking of A.B. de Villiers, just did the maths on that uh, innings and, and the previous one he had. How's this? In the last 110 balls that the West Indies have bowled to A.B. de Villiers, 
he scored 311 runs in 110 balls. That is just phenomenal. Looking ahead to this weekend, coming up on SAFM Sports Special, we'll be covering the Bulls-Sharks game from Loftus Fastfelt. That's the game that Craig Ray will be covering for us. Mawali will also be keeping an eye on the Pumalanga Black Aces Amatax clash tomorrow afternoon uh, in the PSL. Don't forget, tomorrow morning, bright and early, probably, I think, the biggest game so far uh, of the Cricket World Cup. The Proteus India was probably up there as well, but uh, the co-hosts coming up against each other, New Zealand up against Australia, and we'll have live crossings for you here on SAFM tomorrow morning. India also in action tomorrow against the United Arab Emirates, and we'll have scores from that one for you as well. And then, uh, yeah, just looking ahead at some of the other things we'll be chatting on uh, Sports Special tomorrow, we'll be chatting a lot of cycling with the Cape Town Cycle Tour coming up next weekend. I can tell you uh, that the issues between the Pedal Power Association and Cycling South Africa have been sorted out and we'll touch base with the Managing Director of Cycling South Africa tomorrow afternoon, Mike Bradley, to find out uh, the details of that deal that has been struck. Coming up next, it is the Friday edition. Have yourself a wonderful, wonderful weekend. We'll chat tomorrow afternoon again at 3 o'clock. Thank you very much to the entire team from Siobhan Chetty and myself, Brad Brown. Don't forget, if you like, you can follow us on Twitter. Just search for at SAFM Sports Wrap, or you can find us on Facebook as well. Right now, though, it is 7 o'clock, and it's time for your news.